the NBA draft lottery was today, but that's not the biggest news of all. The biggest news is that the Boston Celtics defeated the Cleveland Cavaliers with a box score of 107-94 and take a 2-0 series lead. Well, it is your host, Anik Ahmed, and welcome to the Bench Warmer Post, where I go over trade drama, off-court drama, on-court drama, tank-offs, playoffs, everything in between in the NBA landscape, so welcome. So, this game, I don't even know what I should talk about first, because a lot of things have happened. Uh, you know what, let's start with the game. So, first game, Celtics really just locked down the Cavaliers, and LeBron had one of his worst shooting performances ever. Uh, he had like, what, 13, 15 points last game? And they lost by, what, like 10? This game, he was he was very efficient. Game two, LeBron, first quarter, he had what, like twenty one points already. It's 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 pretty great to be honest with you. He had four for seven, uh, three point shooting, and uh, nine for fourteen shots in the first quarter. I was man, no one could really beat the uh, Cavs in the first quarter. Kyle Culver was hitting his shots. He had like eleven points already. And Kevin Love was getting some decent looks as well, you know? But things started to change when, during, I guess, the second quarter, Jason Tatum accidentally, I guess, bumped into LeBron when reaching for an out-of-bounds ball. And LeBron got hit in the head with a uh, shoulder by Tatum. And essentially, you would think that LeBron's going to be alright, but apparently he was not. They he went back into the locker room and they declared it as a neck sprain, or at least a slight neck sprain because he came back into the game later. LeBron he was very efficient throughout the game. He had a 41, <coughs> 41 triple double with a oh 42. My fault. I'm I'm reading stats off wrong. So he had a, a 42 triple double with uh, six turnovers, which actually beats the entire Celtic squad who only had five turnovers as a whole with um what 15 rebounds and uh I'm trying to find the assists over here no 10 rebounds and 12 assists that's if LeBron still loses in double digits we're having that style line of like 42 10 and 12 I don't know what to say. I really don't. Uh, Cavaliers, they shot a a 46.3 field goal percentage with a um, 10 out of 31 three-point percentage and 10 out of 17 free throw percentage. 42 points in the paint. Meanwhile, Celtics had a 43.5 field goal percentage. Three-point percentage was 10 out of 31 with a 17 out of 20 free throw Percentage. Holy damn, the foul, wow, they did not miss at all, they did not miss at all, Celtics had like 50 points in the paint, but wow, that's, that's kind of crazy, um, all in all, uh, Cavaliers have 45 rebounds, Celtics beat them by one, 18 assists by the Cavs with 24 with the Celtics, because you know, Brad Stevens really does move around the ball and his players, similar to how the Warriors do it, but I digress. And the Cavaliers themselves have 
15 turnovers, while the Celtics had five total as a team. That's 10 turnovers more. And LeBron committed six of them. Oh, no, that kind of puts it into perspective. It kind of puts it into perspective. Uh, You know, a lot of people have been posting different stats about this game because this game really... I guess it's going to... If the Cavs don't win a game or if they get sweeped or if they don't advance in the next round and if, if like, LeBron does leave after this season, this is the game that's going to encapsulate like it did a decade ago when LeBron decided to leave the Cleveland Cavaliers to form the Big Three in the Heat. This game's going to encapsulate his second decision, or should I say the third decision since, you know, he decided to go back. But nonetheless, it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be the twilight of LeBron's career where he decides that, you know, enough is enough. If I'm really serious about trying to win a ring, the Cavs aren't my best shot. And this game will be, I guess, the tipping point. It'll be the tipping point where LeBron's starting to think like, no, I can't win with these cats. I, I truly can't. Now, obviously, he's not going to go on Instagram and make comments against his teammates because, you know, that's more of a Kevin Durant angle, but I digress on that. <clears throat> As for the uh, stats that I will actually, like, pull up and I'm looking at, apparently J.R. Smith has more flagrant fouls than points. He has one uh, flagrant foul on Al Horford, and he had zero points in 27 minutes played. So, I just want to bring this in perspective. JR, he's, he's, okay, this might be just the tattoos or whatnot, but he reminds me of a Dennis Rodman just a little bit, just because of his crazy personality, but, you know, you would think that this guy who went from the Knicks to, to, like, untying shoes and just, like, trying to lay pipe that, you know, when the Cavaliers won the championship, he became a family guy, he had a daughter, he had two daughters, you know, um, I was really happy for JR, but then if you, if you have zero points and 27 minutes played, and then you shove a mid-air Al Horford who is trying to do a layup in transition, by the way, you push him. It's a direct push. If you look at the replay, it's a direct push. I don't know what JR's thinking. You, you shouldn't do that, especially if you're only losing by like 10 at the time. Because that was ruled as a flagrant two, I believe so. And what happened is that they get two free throws and um, they also get the ball. So it just screwed the Cavs even more. And I could tell that LeBron was pissed as as, as, did, as did everyone else because of the fact that... What should we call it? Um, oh, it's escaping me. But LeBron basically blocked a shot. Viciously, he blocked a shot viciously, and you could tell the camera panned into his face. He was not pleased at all how the way things were going. And remember, LeBron James literally said a day ago that, "Oh, game ones are usually just feel-out games. Game two is when, you know, I know how things are gonna go." LeBron, did you really think this is how it was gonna go? After your hot like first quarter, decent second quarter. You really thought you guys are going to crumble this badly in the third and fourth quarter? 
These guys, they were up like, what, three-fourths of the game, and basically midway to the third, they, the Celtics just start pulling up switches. They uh, they go to Rosier a lot because a lot of these guys, they're guarding Tatum, they're guarding Al Horford as the main offensive option, but they leave, I remember at one point, they leave Terry Rosier open in the corner for shooting a three. Now, I understand why, like, the logic behind that, but the Celtics are similar to the Warriors in that they have a lot of weapons. And this is not even, like, regarding, like, their star players, because, you know, Gordon and Kyrie, everyone could say that, but it's really the fact that, like, the way that Brad Stevens has coached his team, that it's just the next one up. And if you haven't, like, been paying attention, Terry Rozier was a guy who, like I said before in my previous episodes, who averaged five uh, points a game the first year, and then this year he got up to 11.3 points, and in the playoffs he's playing like as if he's a Kyrie Irving replacement. It's, it's insane. It's pretty insane, and you dare to leave this guy who can get hot from the three, he can make plays, he can, he can literally, like, pass the ball to one of his teammates and you leave him wide open because you're afraid of Jason Tatum who by the way did fantastic in this game as did Jalen Brown they both did fantastic and you leave Terry Rozier who supposedly is the odd man out in this lineup which really wasn't the case but you know Cavs defense was just laughable today uh, what else could I say? One of the smart things I will say though is that the Celtics they know who to guard and who not to guard because they were dump because after Kyle Korver's hot start in the uh, first half, they started doubling up on Kyle Korver or they would always have a man against Kyle Korver because Kyle Korver is just a like a three and D guy. You know that's all he could really do. His play style just warrants that. Now if you have a man attached to him that can keep up with him. You kind of neutralize Kyle Corbett. So there was this one play where uh, Terry Rozier, he could have switched into uh, Jeff Green, who's going to take a three, but he decided not to because he realizes that Kyle Corbett, who was who could be open if he left for Jeff Green because his man's not going to be on him. Essentially, he decides to stick with Kyle Corbett. He's like, he definitely thought, I'd rather have Jeff Green taking that shot. And Jeff Green took that three. He missed it. That is a smart, intelligent play. That is very much a smart, intelligent play. Um, Al Horford actually was, did great during this game. You know, aside from, like, getting, like... He he had 15 points, 10 rebounds, and 4 assists. He really is, like, I would say... Him and Marcus Smart are, like, the two leaders of this young group of Celtics. Uh... Credit where credit is due. Marcus Smart is a great teammate. Um, I know I sound like I'm like loving and loving the Celtics. I mean, it really is that I'm loving them, but I know for a fact, come around next year, I'm gonna hate them. I'm gonna hate them. But this year, I'm loving what they're doing because Marcus Smart is a great teammate, defending Al Horford, literally about to swing. Tristan Thompson stops. Marcus Smart from swinging at J.R. Smith because J.R. pushed Al Horford in the air. So, kudos to Marcus Smart. He's he's a great he's a great player. 
I really didn't think he'd be one of the better brothers of um, uh, Markeith and Marcus, but you know, who? What do, what do I know? Uh, let's see, anything interesting? Oh, okay. Ooh. Ah, right, LeBron James, he had 55% shooting this entire game. That is high-key efficient. But the problem is that there's no one else to really give the ball to. I don't know why they didn't use Kevin Love more, but then again, Kevin Love was always locked up. Even in post-up plays, it's always a gamble because if there was just one play where LeBron basically just did a really fantastic ball uh, bounce pass to Kevin Love, and it worked. He got in for an easy jam. And then he tried doing it twice, but Kevin Love couldn't respond quickly because of the fact he was being guarded by uh, Jalen Brown. And it just... He tried doing the same thing twice, LeBron. But it didn't work out because Kevin Love couldn't just shake off his man. He couldn't get to the ball in time. And I guess this is where Cavs' age is kind of showing. But, like, the Celtics team is really putting them, like, in the locker room. They're really putting them in their place. Um... <clears throat> what else could I really say? This game was great for the Celtics. Their ball movement was great. When they were on fire, they were on fire. Terry Rozier made some great plays. Uh, Marcus Smart was fantastic, I would say, anchor in a way, but I'm not entirely sure about that. The ca- the fans, oh man. When J.R. Smith committed that flagrant foul against Al Horford, the fans started cheering. Fuck you, JR. Boston fans are always the worst. I will say that. Boston and Philly are probably the worst NBA fans. Well, fan bases because of how arrogant they are. And if you do something wrong to one of their players, they will literally chew you out. Uh, That's pretty wow. I was like really, I wasn't stunned. I was like, damn, they're, they're really like... They're really that mad. And I would be mad too. Because it wouldn't make sense if JR was on a hot streak. You know, I would give him, like, I guess, little bit of a leeway upon that. But the fact that the man had zero points in 27 minutes played, that's, that's no, that's not good. That's not good at all. Also, um, I would like to give credit where credit is due because the fact that the way the Boston's playing their defense. There's a reason why the Pacers took this Cavs team to seven, because of the defensive, uh, I would say defensive, oh man, I'm blanking out, defensive grit is the word, no, grit, defensive toughness, there we go, I'm sorry about that, their toughness is what allowed the Pacers to get to the seven games, I just feel as though that if they had more offensive, I guess, firepower, they would actually beat the Cavaliers, this Celtics team has both offense and defense. Like, they're great. They have great chemistry, this Celtics team. You know? They will, we've seen that they will stick up with each other. They trust each other. There wasn't that much trust on the Cavs. It's usually just give the ball to LeBron and see who he passes it to. And then that role player will either throw it up or he would pass it to another role player who will pass it to LeBron. It's just a little bit predictable and you know, it's it's not 
it's not ideal for the Cavs. But, um, what should we call it? One thing I will say is that the Cavs are in trouble. I have no idea what the Cavaliers are going to do. Hell, Ty Lue, the Cavaliers head coach, literally said in a press conference, well, he was asked about this. I'm sorry about that, but he just said that he likes Rodney Hood because, you know, last time he gave him five out of ten of, um, of rebounds and everything. And, and the reporter asked, like, why is Rodney Hood even in the, uh, like, rotation? Why aren't you changing your lineup? Tyloo just said, because I, I would want him to be in the lineup. That's not an efficient answer, Ty. And low-key, everyone kind of knows that he's just a figurehead that LeBron uses because LeBron got rid of David Blatt. And really, it's more like Tyloo doesn't just have like smart answers, I feel like. I don't think anyone really does because the way, you you see the way that that like, great coaches like Greg Popovich, Steve Kerr, Brad Stevens, I guess, um... I was going to say Tom Thibodeau, but not. That does not make sense. Uh, even Itori Messina, when he was coaching the Spurs briefly, they have this poise to them. And I do not feel that Ty Lue has that poise. Like, Quinn Snyder has that poise. He has that, like, coach coaching, I guess, intuition that I do not feel that Ty Lue has. He's basically like, I feel as though he, he's a mouthpiece to LeBron. That That's just my own personal opinion. Do not take as fact because my facts are horrible. You could call it like Stephen A. Smith type of hot takes, but, you know, that's what I personally think. I, I don't know why. And one thing to notice is that Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance Jr., all these guys they traded for, um... Who else? Man, I guess I can't remember who else they traded for. It's horrible. And I literally just said one of their names. Jordan Clarkson, um, Larry Nance Jr., Rodney Hood. They have not been playing at all. All these guys that the Cavaliers have traded for, they're nowhere to be found. And yet they're running a lineup of Tristan Thompson. They're running they're with J.R. Smith. They're running you can see I chuckled there. Uh, Kyle Korver, all these veteran players, yet you're not playing any of the new players? Yes, I understand the Cavaliers want a little bit more insurance in case LeBron leaves and they have this nice young core group of players. Larry Nance Jr. is being hyped up to hell with his like father's jer- jersey and everything, but he's not bad, but I think you should play him, but they're not. They're just running like this, this veteran group of players because... They're afraid of these kids making mistakes and it'll ruin LeBron's whole mojo. George Hill and J.R. Smith combined for a total of three points. None of that which came from J.R., but it came from three points. That backcourt only had three points. Can you believe that? This Cavaliers team is trash. And the fact that they don't trust each other, and the fact that they're just relying on three-point shots, kicking it out from LeBron. LeBron's just the main facilitator. He, I think he's getting really sick of it. If you're not even playing the young players, what was the point of training for them at all? 
to show that LeBron's like just to show your king that oh yes we are willing to like bend the knee and really appease you with these young glamorized pieces meanwhile we're not even playing them because of the fact that they might mess up and we don't have enough confidence in them man I, I don't understand this Cavs organization they have the 8th pick um, I'm going to head into NBA draft lottery but <coughs> let me just go over the uh, NBA draft uh, lottery proceedings Whew, man, this this the NBA draft lottery. I was like so excited, but uh, you know the Knicks are like you know with the ninth pick, as per usual. I'm I'm not mad at all. I'm hoping they'll be. I'm I think I'll be happy with whoever we take. You know, be it Mikael Bridges or Miles Bridges or even Mohamed Bamba, or even I would I would take Shy. I would take Shy. I can't pronounce his hyphenated name Gilgaius Alexander I would not mind taking him but here are the uh, NBA draft orders because the lottery was today um, first up is the Suns wow who could have really not have thought of that you know um, no one DeAndre Aiden is probably going to be a Sun but and, I, and I'm the only reason I'm saying but the Suns' new head coach is Igor Kokosov. I can't pronounce his last name. But this man, he's the Suns' head coach. He was a Spurs assistant, by the way, who, you know, was offered the Suns' job after yeah, Fisdale actually rejected them. And Budenholzer actually took his name out. Kokosov. It was basically um, Luka Doncic is the number two, or at least quote-unquote mock draft, number two uh, pick who really, he coached Luka when he was in the, uh, when he was uh, in the EuroLeague. And that's a great connection to have because if you have this coach who coached in the EuroLeague, who coached one of the top two prospects, that just, I don't know, the logic is there that, oh, so-and-so coached that kid, you got, they're going to take him, but, you know, a lot of Suns fans, they want uh, DeAndre Aiden, but I think it's going to be a defensive liability if they do take him, but, you know, what, what are you really going to do, they're, they're going to be a great, it's going to be a great core, I feel as though, but, especially with Josh Jackson improving, then you have Devin Booker, who I think is going to be an all-star next year. You have, uh, ooh, I'm sorry, I'm just, they're showing highlights right now on, on ESPN, so, but uh, the Suns, they, they're going to be pretty good upcoming, they're going to, I think they're going to be a playoff or Finch playoff team next year, uh, the Kings are number two, they jumped, congrats Kings, you guys have made it, and, uh, your, your boy, uh, De'Aaron Fox, who I was actually really hoping the Knicks could take la uh, last year. But, you know, I'm, I'm happy with Frank, to be honest. Uh, he was he was representing the Kings, and the Kings jumped up. And I'm happy with the Kings. I, I think they'll either take Luka or 
Doncic, or even Marvin Bagley the third, but we'll see where that goes. The Hawks are number three, and going with their whole process 2.0 with firing uh, Mike Budenholzer and embracing their own process. They even actually had discussions with uh, their point guard and slash quote-unquote star. He's basically an average point guard on the bad team. You know, he, he, I think he'll improve in later time. Dennis Schroeder, he met with the franchise. And apparently he deleted all the Hawks information in his Instagram. So I would say that he's leaving the Hawks or they're going to trade him for a pick or something. He, he, he's, he'll be a good player, you know. He'll be a pretty good player. But, yes, the Hawks are number three. The Grizzlies get trashed on once again. They've never had a number one pick at all in their history. The number fourth, which isn't bad, but a lot of Grizzlies players, well, fans, whoops, wanted a, uh, I guess, a generational talent to build upon. I don't even know what the Grizzlies are doing. Like I said, they're still with J.B. Bakerstaff. They still have Mike Conley and Tyreek Evans, who they should have traded, but... I, I have no idea why they did it. Maybe they're holding out for picks or whatnot, but they're just being really weird with them. Oh, they also still have Marcus All. So there's that too. So who knows what the Grizzlies are doing? Maybe they'll make a playoff push. But I I don't know. I think they're gonna ride it out actually. But we'll see. The Mavericks have the number five pick, and I think they could take Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, I don't know much about Jaron, actually. I know he's a very versatile player. I was looking at scouting reports, actually. I should... I think I have them up somewhere. But it's very interesting to see, like, everyone's, like, strengths and weaknesses. Like, uh, DeAndre Aiden, he can't really block as well, and you would think for his size he would be able to block and rebound better, but, you know, it's not, like, it's not what it should be. Luka's a great playmaker, uh, he could really pass the ball. His three-point stroke apparently ranges from the NBA three-point line. And he shoots, like, what, like a 36 percentage? That's pretty good just for coming into the league as a 19-year-old. Um, oh, right, Jaron Jackson. Here we are. So, he's one of the youngest prospects. Uh, this is off the Ringer site, by the way. So, I'm just reading off live. So, uh, he had three blah. Holy Jesus, man. Three blocks per 40, uh, 40 possessions. That's crazy. Wow. Okay, so his standing reach is nine and a half, nine and one inch. His wingspan is seven, seven and four inches. I'm probably saying that wrong. His age is 18. He's 18 years old. He's a, he, and his main selling point is versatile defense. Um... He's a uh, big, so you know he does. So he could probably play the four and the five, maybe even the three. But if he's too slow, I'm not entirely sure. So he's ambidextrous shot blocker with superb timing and closing speed. So that's pretty great. Effective when switching ball screens and onto guards and wings. Glue guy skills. Cuts well, runs the floor, and finishes with either hand. Okay. How's his shooting though? Um, spaces the floor well and shows ability to attack with straight line dives. 
Oh, he has odd shooting mechanics with a fling motion and a low release. Apparently it works, but he needs to show if it can translate to NBA. So it's a little bit of a question mark with his shooting, but he's really good on defense. Kind of reminds me of Frank, but Frank is, I guess, one of the top defenders in pick and roll defense, but uh, his offense needs to work a little bit. He's an inconsistent rebounder who lacks physicality in boxing out and isn't a quick sleeper from a standstill position. He lacks mass and strength, and he bites on too many shots, well, pump fakes. So, he can't, he has no handles, apparently. So, yeah, he's a typical, I guess, big man in a way, but who can actually finish, so that's pretty good. Uh, let me see who else is, okay, so the Mavs, number five. Uh, the Magic have the sixth, um, pick. I don't know who would they take. Uh, the ESPN lottery machine is just not that great, to be honest. I prefer Tankathon, but, you know. Uh, I personally think Bomba is probably going to go either six or seven, or even eight. He's personally one of my favorites, mainly because I actually picked him up in my own, my league. He, he has great defense. He's a great rebounder. Um, he he could block shots well. He could shoot the three. So, no. I, I've used him on 2K shooting three, and he's pretty great. Uh, he's seven inches tall. So, that would be a really long lineup with Frank, KP, and Bamba. And I know he's a center, but and I know the whole plan of moving KP into the five is the ideal thing, but I would not mind if we le- if we don't if we give up Ennis Cantor, we pick up Bamba. I would not mind that at all, especially if we're gonna lose the majority of this upcoming year. But you know, what are you gonna do? <clears throat> the Bulls get the seventh pick, and this is where things get interesting for Knicks fans because of the fact that we want Mikael Bridges. Mikael is projected to go 10th in the ESPN uh, lottery machine, which I do not believe is going to happen, because they have us projecting Colin Sexton, but I'm not that crazy about Colin. I, I wouldn't be mad if we took him. I mean, for crying out loud, I kind of want Emmanuel Moutier when we first drafted KP, and I didn't boo him, but you know, I was like a little disappointed, like, oh, why? But regardless, Mikael is a great prospect. He's the most NBA-ready wing, and we need a wing so badly. The only wing we actually have is Lance Thomas. And uh, he's not going to just cut it for rebuilding. He's not. He's, he, I, I think he should stay in the organization and coach us and, and coach our young players and teach them like what he knows. He could, I honestly think... He'll be a great, like, you know, player coach. Not even player coach, but, like, a mentor. But I digress. Um, Michael Porter Jr., if he slips past anyone else, he has the highest upside. He truly does. He could he could be a legitimate second option behind KP. And we do need a second option behind Chris Tapps. Because he, uh, he has shades of um, an athletic Keith Van Horn... And Otto Porter Jr., which isn't bad, you know, Otto Porter, 
he's he's really show he showed his stuff this year and he's getting better. But you know, and Harrison Barnes, which I would not be mad about. He'd be a great second option for KP. He has a great shooting uh, stroke with a high release and soft touch, both off ca- both off uh, off the uh, catching off the dribble. So he could catch and shoot, or he could create his own shot off the dribble. He's a great ball handler. Uh, can take the ball coast to coast. That'd be fantastic. Since Natilakina doesn't really have that great handles yet. He's an effective off-ball player who moves well on cuts and knows how to get himself open for a catch-and-shoot, so he'll be like a, I guess, catch-and-shoot type of guy if we use him that well. And he has solid length and quickness. Very versatile defender if his fundamentals improve. So he has to work on his fundamentals. Apparently, he suffers from an Andrew Wiggins syndrome, which I do not know what it is. He needs to prove he can be more than an inefficient scorer. Oh, okay. So, if anyone remembers, uh, Andrew Wiggins was supposed to become LeBron 2.0, and apparently it, it's not working out well, because he's only improved marginally, and he hasn't taken that leap. It's a little bit of a question why the Temple Wolves have been, like, Logi just not living up to their spooky potential. So, <clears throat> he apparently suffers from that type of thing of being an inefficient scorer, he lacks passing vision, but I don't believe that we should actually just discount MPJ's skill set because of the negatives. Because a lot of people did not really, they a lot of people passed up on Donovan Mitchell. A lot of people passed up on Kawhi Leonard. So many people passed up on Steve Nash, Isaiah Thomas. I could go on and on. Draymond Green. Clay, I mean, Clay was the 11th pick, I, w- I would say, but, you know, it, after 10, it's not really a sure Giannis, though, but, yeah, you know, MPJ is a sleeper, I feel like. Here's what I want to look at and tell you guys about. Oh, onto the uh, Cavs, who have the 8th pick. I believe that they're going to take Trey Young. And I know that LeBron likes Trey Young, and I know the Cavaliers would like to pair him with LeBron because of the fact that LeBron can't do anything. He shouldn't facilitate the offense all the time. That's why they they could bring in Trey Young, who apparently is an exaggerated version of Steph Curry. Now, a lot of people are saying he has a, a lot of boom and bust potential, which I kind of do believe in, but I can see this kid also being a star, too. You know, he dapped up Steph Curry right before game one of the Houston Rockets. And, uh, what can I say? This this kid, he could shoot. He could really shoot. Um, so, uh, Young's shooting percentages off the dribble fizzled, but he's still a great player who can get a team a bucket at the end of the clock. So, he's good under pressure when the clock's winding down. He's a great ball handler. He's a great touch on his floater, and um, he could catch and shoot with a deep range. Um, what what's his disadvantages though? Low release point on his jumper, which might explain his t- struggles with stiffer competition and night and day inconsistency this season. Questionable shot selection, so his basketball IQ might not be the best. He also lacks strength as well, and he is a low effort defender, which. You know, the Knicks are not going to take this kid. 
if he becomes a star, you know, I'm not going to blame the Knicks for not taking him. I can see the Cavs taking him, though, but I don't know if that's going to be enough to appease LeBron James. Because what it looks like is that LeBron, I don't know what they're going to do with the Cavs. I'm not, I shouldn't even be worried about the Cavs, but it's just a curious thing what LeBron is going to do in these next few months if they get knocked off in the conference finals. Losing to a Celtics team without Irving and Gordon and Hayward, led by a rookie and a sophomore at that. Oh, you know, it's it's dicey. And now for I'm only gonna do the top ten picks. I know people people will have the Hornets, eleven Clippers at seven and thirteen, which some people have suggested that the Knicks should trade down, but I I'm not really an entirely fan of it, but. Whatever, and Nuggets at 14. But with the 10th pick, the 76ers have it. And if the 76ers got actually the, uh, I think it was top three, you know, it would actually go to the Celtics. So kudos for that to not happen. But the 76ers have like five other picks, you know. Two of them are like late first round, like 26 and 24. And then another two were in the uh, second round as well, like 36 and 54th or whatever. But they have a lot of picks this year. I assume they're going to try to package a lot of their picks to find different deals or get other picks. But 76ers have the 10th pick, and I could see them honestly taking shy. Uh, a lot of people are high on Wendell, Wendell Carter Jr., and I wouldn't be surprised if he's taken, not by the 76ers, but maybe the uh, Clippers, maybe? Uh, I don't know, really. Because I know the Nuggets don't need him. They already have Nikola Jokic. So I don't believe they'll take Wendell Carter Jr. Um, I'm curious, though. Uh, who, where, where is he? Oh, there he is. So a lot, I feel like a lot of people are going to sleep on this kid for like his negatives. But Shai Gigaeus Alexander, he's a freshman Kentucky guard who averaged 14.4 points on... 17.1 per 40 possessions, 4 rebounds, and 5 assists with a efficiency of a 4.6, 3 for 7 field goal attempts. Not bad. Yeah, he averaged almost 1.2 steals with 1.6, and has a 40% 3 point shooting percentage with a 40, with a 82.2 free throw percentage rate he's 19 years old and he's a point guard you know um i would not be mad at all a lot of people i feel like are sleeping on this kid a lot of people are sleeping on this kid because he's a combo guard who could really move around the floor and he could he apparently like he gets up in your face in defense he needs to improve his uh shooting motion i actually looked at some of his highlights he has an okay stroke, but it needs to be better. He's already doing at a pretty decent efficiency with 40.4 percentage. And to be honest with you, like he he hasn't he has a grace to his game where it's like he plays smart, and he reminds me of uh, Sean Livingston because of that. You know, Sean Livingston. He was very he was very athletic. He could score, use you know, layups and I guess make cor- the correct plays. He has pretty decent 
basketball IQ. Actually, no, he has great basketball IQ. What am I saying? Sean Livingston is a smart player. There's a reason why this guy has been from the Nets to the Celtics to the Warriors. He's an integral player. And if it wasn't for his injury, he would honestly be a star in this league. Everyone was hoping that Sean Livingston would be alright. A lot of people actually expected him to not even be on a roster after his injury. But look at him now. He was integral to that 08 Celtics team. To, and he's integral to this Warriors team as well as a backup point guard. I love Sean Livingston, to be honest. And I would not be mad if somehow, someway, if the Knicks took this kid. Because I think this kid's going to be a star. Hopefully I'm not as wrong as I was with Denzel Valentine. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm also still pulling for... Uh, Dante Exum, you know, I think he could be a star as well. He's really quick off, like, his feet, but really, I have a good feeling about Shai Gigalis Alexander, and I believe he's going to be fringe top 10. Fringe top 10. But, uh, yeah, that's as if it's for the draft, personally. I truly enjoy looking at who's going to take who. With the Knicks, it's interesting because there's a lot of good prospects we could take. You know, there's some projects there. And whoever we take forward, because we do need a wing. I guess our second best need would be a center. But that's only if we don't move KP to the uh, five full-time. But apparently David Fitzdale did say that that was the goal long-term. So I'm not entirely sure if we make, I guess... You know, a center. A, if we get a center, if Canner leaves, because I don't, I don't really like Canner. To be honest with you, I know he could be a fan favorite, but he's not my cup of tea, really. And um, Bigs are playing, are, are shooting threes. You know, I could see why you know guys like Mohamed Bamba are actually getting ranked so hard because he could shoot a three and he could defend the paint. You know, he he's just good as a five. But with that being said, I hope we draft a wing. We desperately need a wing. You know, Mikael Miles, you guys are like are our best options. I would not mind Shy for going for guard for going for a guard again. You know, maybe we play Frank off the ball and make him to a shooting guard or vice versa. Regardless, um yeah, that was the NBA draft. You know? Um I touched on a lot of things. I know this episode is going to be really long. And I hope you guys listen to it. Like all the way through. But personally. I'm excited about what's to come in the NBA landscape. Uh, oh wow. One thing I will note is that. Kevin Knox. He was a real. Like, I played 2K16 for a long time. He was touted to go for like top 10. And now he's not even touted to be like that. Uh, I think it has to deal with his average rebounding skills. And he settles for too many mid-range jumpers and floaters. So he doesn't even have a three-point shot. And he doesn't have great basketball IQ in terms of passing ability. So uh, I, I feel bad for Kevin Knox. But, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, maybe I'll do an episode on the entire like mock draft and whatnot. Maybe not, but regardless, this draft's going to be an interesting one. I'm not sure if it's going to be as deep as this past draft, who, which has been comparable 
by the 03 draft. But honestly, this draft is going to be top heavy. So I'm excited to see who we get. I'm truly excited to see who the Knicks choose. I'm excited to see who the Kings pick. I'm excited to see who the Bulls will pick. Because if they pick anyone that I would want to pick, I'm going to cry in the corner. I'm going to just tell you straight up, you know. Being a Knicks fan is tough, but it shows you loyalty. I will say that. I will say that. But follow me on Twitter. It's the it's at the bench warmer post. You know, I upload a lot of things there. I promote my stuff there. I do polls and whatnot, and you know, I just love to talk NBA there. Uh, what else could I really say? You know, follow me on Apple Podcasts. I'm trying to wait for Spotify to actually get approval, but that's going to take a little bit, little bit of time because it's a service I'm using. But regardless, um, yeah, that's about it. Follow me on Twitter at the Bench Warmer Post. So thank you guys for watching or listening. My fault. Thank you for listening to the Bench Warmer Post, and I'll see you next time. Peace out.